With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. I'm Robin Colbert, and this is Madison Forum. My guest this morning, a familiar voice on Madison Forum. He's been on uh, a time or two. Nick Jarmus, Wisconsin AAA. Nick, as always, a pleasure. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me, Robin. Boy, uh, a bit, well, a busy summer, but especially a, a, a busy uh, week or so. Uh, that has flown by with our gas prices, a lot of stations. I'm talking with Nick the Thursday before this airs uh, Sunday morning and uh, checking gas prices this morning here in Wisconsin, uh, or Madison, I should say, three ninety nine a gallon, a lot of stations. And in fact, our AAA has our uh, statewide average today. Is it like three seventy or three ninety three, something like that? That's right. Yeah, our, our statewide average is three ninety three right now. It's about fifteen cents above the national average. <laughs> which is a really unique uh, occurrence for us. I, I checked it earlier this week, and it, it's been a good three-plus years uh, since Wisconsin's average was above the national average. And it really does show you what, what a unique situation is going on right now with our prices. Uh, yeah, we here in Wisconsin can blame the spike because it's been well over a week. It was like overnight. It seemed like they increased last Friday night into Saturday or so. It was like almost 50 cents a gallon. And this is all due to a refinery, uh, an explosion in Ohio, huh? That's correct. Yeah, there was a, a fire, a deadly fire, actually. There, there were two workers who lost their lives in, in it uh, in Ohio. And it's a major refinery uh, that, you know, sources a lot of the gas for Wisconsin and Michigan and, and other upper Midwestern states. And since that's been, you know, continue to be shut down while they do the investigations and then try to correct whatever issues there were there, um, we've had to source our gas from other refineries that are a little further away and not as easily connected to our own distribution networks. So that creates additional costs and expenses um, for retailers um, to account for that, and they naturally pass that along to consumers. Yeah, so we're, what's our backup? Uh, it, and also I wanted to ask, um, are all regions of the state, I mean, this is the statewide average, but uh, you know, is it just like southern Wisconsin that's feeling more of a hit from this uh, Ohio refinery, or far northern Wisconsin? Is that impacted too, or does that region uh, get it piped in from elsewhere? Well, far northern Wisconsin has the highest prices right now still, which is typical uh, because they have to get their gas transported uh, for a longer period over trucks. I mean, ultimately, all gas is delivered to the stations via truck, but the length of that distance between the station and where the truck fills up at the, the pipeline depot uh, is going to determine you know, how much extra cost there is because it's much more expensive uh, for it to be shipped by a truck. Right now, more of the southern Wisconsin gas is being shipped in by truck over the road from southern Illinois and refineries down near St. Louis, um, whereas it's typically coming in off of the pipelines you know, that are fed in, you know, partially by this refinery that shut down. So our prices have kind of in relative terms gone up more in the southern part of the state because we're taking on a, a, an expense that we usually don't have. Mm. 
Uh, but still, the, those northern counties are ultimately still getting it by truck, and it's coming from even farther away than normal, uh, and so their prices have also gone up. Okay, so now let's factor in <laughs> hurricanes. And of course, uh, uh, Hurricane Ian uh, making big news this week. And uh, up here in Wisconsin, down in Florida, we're still going to feel some impact from that, I'm guessing? Possibly some, but, but pretty minimal. Um, right now, you know, we're, we're, we haven't seen that the hurricane has affected production uh, on either the um, drilling side or the, the refinery side. And typically when you're talking about refinery side issues, that's going to be a regional um, issue anyway, mm-hmm. such as like what we're seeing here um, due to that refinery in Ohio. That's a, a very much a regional issue that is not affecting prices in other parts of the country. Uh, so right now what we're seeing happen in the Gulf is not really impacting our prices. And, you know, for comparison, you know, Wisconsin statewide average has gone up 46 cents in the last week. The U.S. national average has only gone up 10 cents. Yeah. Yeah. And boy, uh, that just because we were getting somewhat of, well, it seemed like a break. I mean, a break. Uh, uh, the good news would be if we were paying less than two bucks a gallon, but I don't foresee that anytime soon. But, um, you know, of course, with our spike earlier in the year when we hit, uh, we did break a statewide average earlier this year, did we not? We did. I mean, we hit the all time record back in June. Um, prices were. Getting near that five dollar mark, uh, they, they were like four ninety yeah. something, depending on where you were in the state. Uh, and so we're still a dollar below that. Um, but it just really goes to show you how how volatile the market uh, has really been this year, right? and so many factors going into it. I mean, obviously that big spike that we saw, or, or record prices we saw in June, were, were largely the result of all of the global market uncertainty caused by the invasion of Ukraine. And we do seem, while that situation is is obviously far from resolved, you know, markets have accommodated for that and have, you know, seemed to stabilize and begun to find a new normal. And we saw that unprecedented 100-day streak of of prices declining between June and um, the end of September until we did see them kind of plateau a bit, um, and I think hurricane season and all the uncertainty that comes with that played some sort of a role in that. Uh, so once the once we get down the other side of hurricane season and all the refinery issues in the Midwest are resolved, we should resume that downward trend as we begin looking more towards the holidays. Yeah, and back to uh, just quickly with the refinery issue in Ohio. For so yeah, we had two two workers that were killed in that. So there is a, an investigation. Typically, um, is there a typical timeline that they'll keep them keep it shut down for an investigation? I would imagine at some point. Uh, I would hope soon. Yeah, I haven't seen a, a firm timeline, and and perhaps by Sunday they they will have an announcement. Um, you know, all indications are that it's going to be a matter of weeks, if not days, at this point until okay. they, they are able to resume operations. I, I don't think we're looking at something that's going to last, you know, a month or, or okay. two, uh, anything like that. This is not going to be a new normal. It's it's really just going to be kind of a, a temporary spike that should resolve itself in a few weeks. But it sure snuck up and bit you if you weren't, you know, paying close attention to uh, events going on uh, here in the Midwest as far as, uh, yeah, it just snuck up. I was like, what the heck? We're up about four again. Um, and so to bring our prices down between uh, after June, the big uh, um, record we set in June, and of course we, nationwide we saw the prices go down, The that was a federal agreement to start tapping into the the reserves, correct? 
Correct. That was a big part of it. So, you know, the tapping into the reserve, you know, resolved some of those supply side issues um, and, and even just supply side concerns. I mean, when it comes to oil prices, there's also is that speculative component to it. I mean, it's not always just the raw exactly what's happening. Some of it is driven by what people are afraid might happen in the, the near future. And, you know, the market reacts according to that. And so with, with the Ukraine situation, there really was more of concern about a constriction of oil. And, and there was a constriction, but maybe not as significant as people were afraid. And I think once it, markets realized um, that, you know, the, the situation wasn't going to be as dire in terms of supply, and then once you added in that release from the, the strategic oil reserve as well, uh, that went a long way to kind of calming calming the market and, and bringing it back down into a more rational space. Yeah. Of, uh, of course, there are pros and cons to uh, tapping into the strategic reserve of the pros was uh, bringing down that price uh, quickly, so something that more of us could uh, afford much better. Uh, but there's there are cons. What are those, Nick? Well, you know, it's our rainy day fund, basically, for, for gas. Do you know um, how and, much and we oil. have in the reserve? I, you know, I don't off the top of my head. Okay. I'd have to, to no, check in on that. But yeah, I mean, certainly that that's something, you know, there's a reason we have it. There's a reason it's called strategic and, and an emergency uh, reserve. Um, it's not supposed to, you know, be be tapped every time that, mm-hmm. that prices are going up or anything like that. You know, and so, you know, we, we can have a debate and I think you can have a good faith debate about whether um, this situation called for that significant of an action or, or warranted tapping into it. I mean, certainly everyone agreed that prices were, were getting to a point that was just a real hardship yes. for a lot of people. Um, and I think that bringing them back down to still, you know, higher than we had grown accustomed to them, um, especially during the pandemic years, um, it, it has been helpful. And, and, you know, I think personally, I think it's been worth it. Um, but Certainly, it's it's not a habit that we want to get into. Oh, yeah, good. You know, and we're talking about, and I'm basing most of my um, uh, interest here just uh, thinking about myself and the other people, those of us driving our cars into work and wherever we're going. But And so I'm looking mostly at the cost for regular unleaded. But let's talk about diesel. I mean, we're still, that's still uh, seeing just a, a heck of an increase. And, of course, that... In fact, uh, or in fact, well, it kind of does in fact uh, the economy with a trickle down impact of higher prices and inflation. It does. I mean, you know, pretty much anything that you buy in a store is going to have been shipped by truck at yeah. some point. Um, and, and so, when those higher those diesel prices are higher, that adds to the cost of deliveries, and that is going to get passed on to consumers at, at some point. And you know, we're looking at, here in Wisconsin alone. Um, you know, diesel prices are averaging 4.69. That's up from 3.21 a year ago, and so, so that really shows you just how significant of a jump that has been, uh, and yeah, it's having real impact on on prices of all products across the board. So, how do we get that done? Why has there been no real, um, you know, drop, noticeable drop in in diesel? Well, there has been a drop. It hasn't been as significant. I mean, even a month ago, we were at 495 for yeah. diesel, uh, where we were at uh, you know, 361 a month ago for for regular gas. Um, you know, diesel is 
it's, it comes from oil just like gas, but it's a different refining process. It has its own sort of um, supply and demand um, components that, that are independent of, of gas. So when we talk about, you know, there's the overall supply and demand of oil, but then there's the supply and demand of gas um, that comes, you know, after the gas is refined or the oil is refined into gas. And then similarly, once it's refined into diesel. And so they do kind of operate independent of each other, you know, even when people are maybe beginning to cut back on their driving as a response to higher gas prices, um, you know, trucks don't always have that option. I mean, deliveries still need to be made. Stuff still needs to get to the store. And so they're not able to adjust the demand on the diesel side um, as easily as, as everyday motorists can kind of adjust their demand on that side. Now, uh, uh, this week, uh, actually just yesterday, uh, President Biden out uh, stern warning, perhaps, uh, telling gas stations don't be boosting prices in the aftermath of Ian. In fact, he said, cut your prices now. Uh, how much? How big of a role do gas stations, you know, you're going to hear a debate back and forth. Uh, the Petroleum Association and gas station uh, convenience store associations will all say, no, we're, you know, don't blame us. Well, others will say, no, they're just increasing their profits. Well, you know, it's always hard to comment on, you know, specific. And and I do sometimes get questions about, you know, well, I saw this station at this. And it's hard to talk about specific stations. Sure, sure. On aggregate, most gas station owners, they're not making their profit on the gas. Their major profit margins come from the convenience store. And so they're really, if, if anything, just trying to break even on the gas and make sure that it's not, they're not losing money on it. Um, you know, here in Wisconsin, we actually have a law that requires them to sell gas at a minimum markup above wholesale. Um, and the idea behind that is because there are some bigger chains that will often try to sell gas below wholesale, um, knowing that it'll bring you into their store and then you'll spend money elsewhere. And so... You know, we have protections against that, although they're not entirely necessary. Um, yeah. But, you know, Florida doesn't have that, you know. But but I do think in in areas where, you know, stations are increasing prices, that typically means that their prices are increasing, you know, to purchase from the wholesaler. And you really can't fault them for passing that along because they need to recoup that themselves. That's not to say that there aren't situations where, um you know, stations maybe are inflating their own prices well above what they paid for them, but we don't really have any data to back sure. up, you know, how frequently that happens or, or what extent that is. Do a majority of states have minimum markup, or is this kind of a, a, a becoming a, a, an antiquated law? Or Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
It is. It is pretty antiquated and pretty uh, unique to Wisconsin. I believe Minnesota also has a similar law, but beyond those two, I, I don't think there's really. Oh, many. really? Um, and it was it was passed during the Depression um, as sort of a consumer protection law. Again, the idea was that they didn't want big chains to come in undercut all of the, the mom and pop stores and put them out of business and then turn around and jack up prices, you know, and, sure. and kind of create monopolies to the extent that that was ever really a, a real concern um, versus just more of a theoretical concern. I don't know. I mean, yeah. And I know there are groups that, you know, have been advocating for, a, you know, repealing that law because it's kind of unnecessary. Um, you know, we haven't really taken a firm position ourselves on it. Um, you know, it probably would help bring prices down a little bit, um, if we did get rid of it, um, but I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to quantify sure. you know, the exact impact that that would have. Now, as far as the impact on travel, um, uh, last I recall, it seemed like our numbers, of course, coming you know coming out of the pandemic, uh, were more free to move about. Uh, in fact, pretty much all travel restrictions are going by the wayside. Have we seen high gas prices impacting our travel, or are those numbers still pretty healthy? They are. I mean, right now we're kind of past the peak travel season. Um, you know, we'll, we we probably won't have big travel numbers again until we get you know closer to the holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for what we saw for Memorial Day, Independence Day weekend, our forecasts and, and data showed it was very, very busy, very robust travel season. Um, you know, not quite fully back up to pre-pandemic levels, uh, but very, very close. And when you consider how much higher gas prices were, um, compared to where they were even right before the pandemic. Uh, it just goes to show, you know, part of it was probably a lot of pent up, you know, we really want to get out. We haven't taken a vacation in a few years and, and we're going to do it one way or another. Uh, but we also do know that there's even, you know, absent a, a two year pandemic like that, there's always a lot of desire to get in that family road trip. Um, and it's something that people plan for, they budget for, um, you know, gas price, higher gas prices, within the, the overall budget of a family vacation are not the biggest component to that anyway. So it is something that when prices go up, people can, you know, kind of shift resources. Maybe we'll stay at a less expensive hotel. Maybe we'll cut the trip short one day, you know, sure. to save on one night of a hotel, things like that to make sure they can still take a trip um, and get that, that vacation under their belt for the year, um, regardless of what the gas prices are, where you tend to see, demand and, and driving habits shift is is it just in the day-to-day driving. You know, people become more conscientious about, well, how often have we run to the store this yeah. week? Or, you know, I'm heading out today, you know, I'm just going to try and get everything done. That way we don't have to head back out at all, um, you know, later in the week, you know, aside from, you know, maybe dropping the kids off at school or whatever. So you see the, those adjustments on kind of a, a day-to-day level, um, but people still wanting to, to take those big trips. So I know you don't have a crystal ball, but you're uh, constantly, I'm sure, asked, uh, Nick, probably by family as well. It's probably quite annoying for you. Hey, what's the (laughs) forecast for gas prices going to be through the remainder of 2022? So it's sounding like, um, you know, once we get this refinery uh, issue in Ohio, once that's uh, remedied, that plant back up and running, uh, we can kind of, do you think, get through the rest of the year under four? 
Yeah, I mean, that's the expectation. You know, we were getting close to being almost under three. I again. know, um, I know. <laughs> we, we were well on that on that track. I think we're going to get back on that track, um, especially once this refinery is back online. Um, you know, most factors aside from hurricane season right now are pushing in the direction of lower prices. You know, we're having dropping demand, which is a seasonal issue more than anything right now. And then we also are seeing lower, you know, oil prices, you know, generally falling, you know, they, they kind of go up sometimes on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, we're seeing oil prices that really are getting back into the range that they were back in January before the Ukraine situation began. So that indicates what we should see prices continue to fall through the winter, barring some other major disruption to either the supply side or the demand side. Sure, yeah, another refinery. You, you just can't. You just can't tell. Uh, you never know. Um, uh, let's talk about some other uh, issues on the road. I thought this was really uh, interesting. A recommendation from the NTSB National Transportation Safety Board this past week uh, that they say all new ve- and they can recommend anything they want. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but uh, all new vehicles they say should be equipped with alcohol monitoring systems. Huh. Yeah, we we support that. Um, you know, it does create an additional expense in the vehicle, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's worth it because about thirty percent of all traffic fatalities are connected to alcohol impaired driving, uh, and that's both on a national level and that's right about where Wisconsin is as yeah. well. Um, so, being able to, you know, if we could eliminate those, you know, you can eliminate thirty percent of crash crash deaths. Um, but that would be huge. I mean, we've seen, especially in the last few years, more and more fatalities happening on the road. And, and that was even during the pandemic when fewer miles were being I driven. Uh, we saw crash deaths continue to increase and, and really shoot up uh, because the people who were on the road were unfortunately, you know, maybe not driving as safely as they should. Um, they were happening at a higher rate of speed because traffic congestion was down, particularly in urban metro areas. Uh, and so the, this could go a long way to to really addressing it, and and it's part of this new thinking about traffic safety that you know is being adopted um, both at the federal level and then states are adopting. Um, it's called the safe system approach. That's kind of the technical term for it, but it's the idea that we we really have to. Um, Yeah, and I guess I'm, I'm just kind of curious <clears throat> as to how this uh, uh, equipment uh, would appear in new vehicles. Um, you know, I think of the uh, the current uh, repeat offenders having to blow in in a tube to start up their car. So I can't. I, that seems that doesn't seem like a very um, a feature that would be very well embraced. It seems kind of out of your. How would how would they detect the alcohol, or is that the only way you can do it? No, this one ha- operates, I, and I, I admit I'm not a, a 
expert on the, this particular technology, but my understanding is that it is more of a passive monitoring system. Got it's it. not something you know like the, the the monitors that they have, the court ordered monitors where you actually have to blow into it. Um, it, it just would passively detect alcohol in Got it. in the cabin. Um, I'm not sure how it distinguishes between a driver, you know, or having alcohol. Yeah. I think it's. I think the sensors are, you know, all directed towards the driver's side seat, so it, it would be more likely, or or I should say, less likely that it would pick up, um, you know, the 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 alcohol That's from true. a passenger or someone in the back seat. Um, but you know, the 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 idea is sound, and I think you know, refining this and and eventually making it standard in all vehicles. You know, it's again not going to be an overnight solution no, no. because you know the most people don't buy a new car more than once every ten to twelve years. So even if all new vehicles next year were to to include these features, um, it's still going to take a good decade, you know, or more to get to the point where all cars on the road have them. Well, and it also opens up a, a, a lot of impaired drivers. It's not necessarily alcohol, you know. That's you're, a good you're point looking too. Looking at I mean, uh, prescription pills, uh, prescription pot. pills, marijuana, um, and, and other drugs, you know, opioid use. Um, those things are all also on the rise, um, and those would not, you know, would not be picked up by these sensors. So, again, that goes to the, the idea that this is about building redundancy. You know, this is not going to be a substitute for, you know, addressing those issues from other angles, um, but it's just one tool in the toolbox that sure. can you know, help um, in a big way. Yeah, uh, not to take away from the driver responsibility that one would hope would be there. Uh, another safety feature, um, automatic emergency braking systems. Uh, that, that's kind of causing an issue, though. I think we're, there's a false sense of security that uh, our cars are, you know, can monitor our activities and will take care of us, take care of the safety when we have to be uh, paying attention as well. That's that's right. This is an issue we've been monitoring and and doing research on for a long time. Um, and and in fact, we just put out a a study today uh, that was released where we tested automatic emergency braking specifically, uh, and found that you know it is not 100 percent reliable. And I don't think anyone thinks that it is. But what we found very specifically is that um, the effectiveness of it goes down significantly when you're driving at higher speeds. And so, you know, in, in a lot of ways, in real world speeds, these systems are often tested at relatively low speeds. Um, but we tested them at at actual normal driving speeds uh, that you would encounter uh, on real roads and found that they're much less effective at those speeds, even to just stop you from rear-ending someone in front of you. Yeah. What we also found is that if you you uh, use them, or, or if um, you're in a, at an intersection and you have either a head-on collision or a T-bone collision, it really is is limited in its ability to prevent those sorts of collisions. Uh, and so that again reinforces the idea that these these new features are great. They have a lot of benefits to them, but they do not replace individual driver responsibility to be engaged and focused and responsive behind the wheel. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we were, we were talking about um, during the pandemic and driving behaviors with less people on the road. We're still seeing, you know, more of us are back on the road, but uh, the dangerous uh, behaviors that we picked up uh, over the pandemic have not gone away and really raising the alarm. I know nationally, statewide, just uh, the reckless uh, traffic fatalities we're seeing. 
Yeah, I mean, that that's something, um, we, and we're seeing it also, especially in urban areas. Um, that's where we saw the biggest increases, um, largely because of that, that congestion factor allowed people to travel at a higher rates of speed. And, and that's the thing with, you know, speed doesn't always necessarily contribute to the cause of a crash, but when crashes happen at a higher rate of speed, there is a much higher likelihood that they'll be deadly or at least major injury-causing crashes. So that's, you know, the one thing um, as we kind of look at the landscape of what are the things that we can do to bring fatalities back down. Reducing speed on the roads is one of the most important things because, even if it can't reduce all crashes, it can reduce the likelihood that those crashes will be fatal. Um, and so in, in uh, you know, residential areas, traffic calming techniques, building roundabouts in, you know, putting speed bumps on residential streets, those are, have all you know, been proven to be very effective. It's much trickier to do that, though, on urban roads. And we see that, you know, especially when you're talking about you know, major arterial roads that are designed to just get people in and out of an area or mm-hmm. pass through an area, but you also have a population that's living alongside that road and maybe needs to cross that road to get to shopping or, you know, their doctor's office or things like that. And so we have to figure out how to make sure everyone is sharing that space in a safe way and we just need to slow people down, even on those major arterial roads. Yeah, and, uh, you know, putting speed aside, also factor in, you know, in this phenomenon, in the past uh, 10 to 20 years, our mobile devices, and uh, whether you're in the car or you're that pedestrian uh, walking, that's just, uh, yeah, increased uh, exponentially, the uh, the numbers of uh, accidents due to that. That's right. I mean, you know, the, the ubiquity of, of smartphones is <laughs> is a challenge, uh, and especially because our research has shown that hands-free use of these devices can often be just as dangerous. You know, even if you're not touching or looking at your phone, if you're using voice-commanded technology um, to you know either dictate texts or try to you know tell your phone to play a, a certain song. Um, we've all, you know, probably experienced that those systems don't always work very well, and then, you know, when they don't work well, we get distracted by that. And so, um, you either end up picking it up and trying to do it manually yourself, or you just get flustered, and that takes your mental focus off the road, uh, which is, you know, just as important as keeping your hands on the wheel and your eyes forward. Is keeping your mind focused on what's occurring on the road and not splitting your attention off like that. Hopefully, if you just keep repeating the message, uh, one of these days, people will pay attention. That's, a, that's you know, that's our hope. <laughs> yeah, all right. Nick Jarmus, Wisconsin AAA, my guest this morning. Nick, anything before we wrap it up? Uh, no, just encourage everyone to, to slow down, stay safe out there, buckle up, stay focused, and, um, you know, ha- have a good weekend. All right. Nick Jarmus, again, Wisconsin AAA, my guest this morning. You've been listening to Madison Forum. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.